Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan. Welcome once again to the Eye on the Ball. This is your host Elaine Ingram. He's not a man that any athlete really wants to see too often, but he's certainly one that you want to have in waiting in the wings. And if you do happen to have an injury, he's definitely the man that you want to help get you back on track. Um, for this episode of the Eye on the Ball, we spoke to Newtown Hamilton physiotherapist Paul Carraher, who has been selected as one of Team Ireland's and physiotherapists for the Tokyo Olympics, which has been rescheduled for next year. Paul is a well-known face in Armagh. He's he worked with the senior footballers and the minor footballers, um, for over thirteen years. And um, he had to quit that job a couple of years ago because he was under so much pressure with his, um, his own clinic that he runs in Windsor Hill and Newry, and also with the work he's been doing within the Irish sports system and um, across a range of sports and with Athletics Ireland, um. Paul's worked at the London Paralympics in 2012. He's been to the Rio Olympics with his job and he's been all around the world at European and World Championships. So we spoke to Paul about his own career and looking forward to the the Tokyo Olympics and all of his own personal sporting achievements as well as lots of other things, including watching um, Usain Bolt run his last victory lap in London in 2017. It was a fantastic weekend for Camogie, um, with the Armagh ladies team winning the junior championship in Breathley Park on Saturday, where they beat Cavan. It was a fantastic game and a brilliant result for these girls who've waited an awful long time for this. The last time Armagh won the All-Ireland was way back in 1993, um, so it's been a long time coming, but it was well worth the wait. Um, we caught up with two of the top players, um, player of the match, Kira Donnelly and her sister Leanne. Kira scored 13 points on the day and Leanne scored four. We got all the reaction from the game, but first of all, let's hear from Paul. How are you? It's very nice to meet you, Paul. You too, Leanne. I'm well, thanks. Um, I suppose I, the first thing I want to ask you about, uh, obviously, is the Olympics. Um, you're, you've been selected as the physio for the Irish Olympic team for next year. Yes. And um, obviously you were delighted with that. Was it a surprise call up or were you, I know you've done work with them before in the, in the um, Paralympics and stuff like that. Or how did it come about? It came about, I suppose, I've been working within the, the Irish um, sports system since 2012 now. So my, my first interaction with high performance sport would have been with Athletics Ireland. So I, I started working as one of their physios, traveling with their, their teams to European and World Championships. Um, in around 2016, then I started working for the Sports Council, where I was working across a number of sports. So working with athletics, um, cycling, gymnastics and taekwondo. And 
in the, the for Rio I actually travelled um, to the, the games as part of the Athletics Ireland team yeah. but because I'm, I was working across a number of different sports um, yeah, yeah, I was approached to, to interview for one of the sort of Team Ireland um, central roles yeah. and, and so um, you had the interview uh, God, it's hard to think when that was now, but um, had an interview. Well, it all went pear shaped. It all went pear shaped, <laughs> more or less. As a, um, afterwards, um, went through the interview process, and then I was appointed into um, the the team Ireland physio role after that. Yeah, it's a it's a huge honour, isn't it, to be you know selected? It is. Yeah. It's was a, the interview process itself difficult? Were there a lot of people interviewing for the position? There would have been quite a lot of interest in it. Um, so. I'm not sure exactly how many people um, applied for it. There was quite a, a strong shortlisting process, so you had to be able to demonstrate that you were working with, I suppose, a, a, a large number of the athletes that were expected to go to the games. Yeah. So, you know, and because you were working amongst a number of different sporting, you know... It, it certainly put you in the, the, the front foot in that regard. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a wide variety of um, sports um, organisations that you've actually worked for. I mean, Arma obviously was the big one. Um, you worked with the minors and then and then the senior team for many years. Yeah, started with the minors. I think it was in two thousand and four, um, and that was with Paul Kelly was the manager, um, Brenton Hughes, Jim McCrory, and Dennis Hollywood from Newtown here as well. Right. Um, so that management team were together for, for three years and then I went to the seniors with Peter McDonald in his first year with the seniors. Um, I was more or less with the seniors there through Peter's reign, um, Paddy Rook's time, uh, Paul Grimley and then with with Kieran McGinney in so more recent times. So, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you who your favourite was. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'd have to answer no comment to that I'm, I'm afraid. But, um, and enjoyed that whole time with Arma. Um, yeah. enjoyed the time. And Jim is still there now, obviously. Anyway, as well with uh, Karen, Jim Carrey. Yes. Yeah. And and Dennis as well, and actually. Dennis, yeah. yeah. So there was quite an overlap um, with different people from that minor team. So Paul Kelly has been involved with the seniors at different stages while I was there. Um, Brenton Hughes was actually in with Paddy Rook at one stage. So that core of I suppose. Yeah. Um, three or four coaches um, were probably a bit of a, a consistent um, f- feature in, in my time with Arma. So you'd be very familiar with the, the players, especially if you were involved with the minors, probably a lot of them would have been coming up through the ranks that way as well. Yeah, very much so. The, that sort of minor team um, from 2004, um, 2005, 2006, a, a lot of those became sort of more established players than as I um, was working with the seniors. Um, it is interesting now when you're sort of, uh, I, I finished up with the, the seniors, I think it was two years now, and it, it is interesting how quickly things move on, so that you're seeing sort of new there's players a, there's there. kind of a lot of a new crop there yeah, as well, absolutely. the younger, yeah, younger ones coming through. It's great, it's great. Yeah, it just shows you how quickly things do move on, so it's, um, there are a lot of sort of faces or names that I wouldn't be as familiar with, and that uh, you know, haven't had that luxury of dealing with them as... Um, sort of development squads and minors which I would have had in the past um, but it's great to see that there's a there's plenty of talent coming through there yeah and would you see um, the same people presenting themselves with, the same, with similar injuries I know there's some players that seem to be more prone to injury than others is that just uh, the way they do you think that's um, the way they train or is it just the look of the draw 
Oh, there's a number of factors involved. Um, so probably one of the biggest risk factors for injury is your previous history of injury. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, if you, like if you break your ankle, the chance is it's always going to be weak or something yeah, like so, that. So, you know? so there, there's, there, there's definitely an element of that. Um, so when, when I suppose when people are looking at maybe team sheets and they see a name being out on a, on a recurrent basis, um, quite often for, for, for those players, it's, it's trying to break that cycle um, of the, the biggest thing that you can do to protect yourself against against injury is get a nice consistent block of training and if you're in and out um, of a, a squad or training squad as a result of injuries it's almost like a vicious circle so, so it's a chicken and an egg kind of a thing for, yeah. yeah very much so it's trying to break that that cycle yeah. um, and get a long enough period um, where, where you're you're just getting consistent training on your belt um, and quite often that can be Quite, quite a challenge well it's definitely a challenge now I mean do you find now that sport is coming back there's um, a, a lot of injuries a lot more injuries because people are training by themselves as well so they might not be training exactly as you know they would be if they were in with their group and yeah there was certainly um, after lockdown um, you would have seen that um, where you'd you know, p- people sort of training by themselves when they, when they were used to a team environment um, so the training that they've been doing by themselves wouldn't have naturally reflected what their sport was actually asking yeah. of them. So and you couldn't even do that because you you know you certain things you have to do with other people. And if absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, like going for a you know a five k run is very very different to what um, the demands of a, a football match are with the twisting and turning and the acceleration and the deceleration and the change of direction. So um, if you went through lockdown and had you know, two to three months of getting out um, for a 5k run, you know, two to three times a week and you're thinking you're doing well, you're keeping yourself in good shape, but you get back into that um, sort of football training environment with the twisting and turning and the acceleration and deceleration, um, yeah, it's, it's asking for trouble really if yeah. you haven't been exposing yourself. Yeah, um, there isn't really that. very much you can do about that, you know? It's no, no, it's, 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 it's all about just gradually reintroducing that yeah. but you're not going from zero to a hundred which is hard when you've got matches or you whatever sport it might be you know when you, ha- when you have an event or something coming up like you, you kind of you know you kind of have to get stuck in whether you like it or not at times you know and that's where uh, i suppose the you know, good managers and coaches will really um they'll really adapt to training to allow for that you know they'll, they'll sort of take um i suppose into account where the players are when they're coming back into that sort of collective training and where they need them to be. And they'll try and um, try and do that in a nice, steady, progressive manner. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it requires planning. It requires a bit of forward thinking. So um, I think that's it's certainly a bit of a trend or a pattern that we've seen when the clubs got up and going. Um, we, we, we run a clinic in, in Newry and yeah. certainly there was... Um, there's quite a lot of club players now who are, who are getting in contact um, those sort of first couple of weeks of the of the, the club league starting. Yeah. Um, there, was, there was, yeah. We, quite a lot. We were quite busy during I that I suppose period. as well with the leagues, they wouldn't have the same sort of um, people around them as, you know, wouldn't have the same sort of professionalism as with the county players. So they would be much more looked after in yeah. terms of, you know, just having the, having the people to do it you know that's true and it's um, i suppose when you when you're looking at a an inter-county um set up you've got you know, uh, 
a number of different um, yeah, disciplines or expertise of, there yeah. that can can help guide the players and sort of direct what what they're doing on their own time. Um, a lot of the clubs are definitely st- stepping up with their preparations are, but maybe not quite to that extent. Yeah. And um, yeah, I suppose the the outcome of that then is um, some of the club players when they were getting back into um, those club league matches starting they maybe just weren't as well prepared as they potentially yeah. could have been well, in, the type of injuries that you see I know um, the, the dreaded cruciate is, seems to be one, a really bad one that you know has players out for a long time yeah. and it's, is there anything that can be done about that it's quite a common injury it's a, and you know it's a severe one isn't it it is it, it, the, the effect it has on a player is quite you know it's quite significant and um, there's a there's a there's obviously surgery involved um, in the majority of cases um, and that in itself has its own risks um, it's obviously got a cost um, it, it impacts players directly afterwards that you know if they're working they're going to take a bit of time off work yeah. so there's a financial implications with that as well um, away from sport from a sporting perspective there is you know there's a, a quite a significant um, rehabilitation period involved yeah. after a cruciate operation I mean it could take up to a year can't yeah, yeah yeah and um and those that are probably been wise and sensible about it will take the full year out of it. You know, there is more more research coming out that um, if you try and rush that rehabilitation period, um, that your chances of re-injuring for trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's uh, there's quite strong evidence that those if you wait from um, from nine months every month you wait after nine months, providing you're following an appropriate rehab program, your your risk of re-injury halves. So. It starts off, you know, reasonably high nine months, drops down considerably by ten months, by eleven months, by twelve months. So it's, it's definitely worth when you're, um, my perspective anyway, is you know, with most players going through that type of operation, it's definitely worth sitting down, and planning out a, quite an extensive rehab program, and that's going spanning across that whole time frame yeah. that you're not rushing. Cut corners. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, things like head injuries now, um, that's another thing that's um, really come to the fore. And do you find over the years now, um, players, and I'm, not, I'm not just talking about football, I'm just talking about sports in general, um, rugby, stuff like that, you know, the players are bulking up more and more and all of their sports sports are becoming much more about physique, uh, you know, and size and everything. And do you find that there are more, more head injuries or there's... It's difficult to say if there's actually there's more. there's more study about them as exactly, well. That, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. The, the actual injury incidence with regards to concussion, I'm not sure if that's actually rose much, but I think what's happening is um, the reporting of it. So the, the awareness of the importance of you know, early diagnosis and management of head injuries and concussions, um, it's improving year on year. So I think that's only a, a positive. You know, the more people that are... Um, aware of the potential problems with it um, you know, that's a good thing it, it's ensuring yeah. that more and more players when they suffer those injuries are getting the appropriate treatment um, that maybe wasn't the case say 10 years ago or 15 years ago where the, the public awareness um, wasn't at a level that it is at now um, so quite often those type of injuries were maybe downplayed um, there's not a visible aspect to it you know, yeah, so it's but it can come back to, like they're finding out more and more now that, mm-hmm. um, especially like with boxers being punch drunk and all that kind of thing, that it is it is 
your brain injury. Brain yeah, injuries. no, it, it's 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 certainly um, an injury that shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, um, any player of any age that sustains um, a, a head injury, it's really important that they get the appropriate medical advice um, and that the, the the appropriate management of that type of condition is where it should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I definitely think. Uh, rugby has probably led the, the charge in that regard. They're maybe a little bit ahead of certainly where um, football and, and soccer are. But I suppose there's a necessity there. There's a necessity of the there. Um, but, but also that, that, that sort of gap's closing. You know, there's, there's more and more sort of education resources coming out from the GAA, from, from the FAI, and it's all about the education you know it's, it's getting that message out to coaches to players to parents and um, to teachers and the more people that are well informed and what's you know what's involved what the risks are what the appropriate management is um really the better for, for everybody yeah and do you find now i suppose the other um sports that you do taekwondo would you find a lot of stuff like that in there in i know it's a martial arts you think but they're so not a lot of discipline in, in martial arts as well so they're probably yeah it's funny um, with taekwondo more discipline than football you know it is lumps out of each other <laughs> it's funny so with taekwondo um, concussion is in the research is one of the um, highest reported injuries oh, it is, is it? but I'm only working with one taekwondo athlete so it's a guy that's, that has qualified for the Olympics um, you know he's a really talented athlete um, Jack Woolley from Dublin um, and touch wood, um, we haven't had a head injury with him okay, um, so far. So <laughs> ho- hopefully that's the case. So um, yeah, as a sport, there is a there's certainly a, a high risk of concussion in taekwondo. But um, we've, so far we've, we've been lucky enough to avoid it with um, with that particular athlete. And who are you working with in the gymnastics end of things? So gymnastics um, is Reese McLennan. Um, so Reese again, he's he's qualified for Tokyo. Um, he's a current world medalist and um, actually did really well. He had shoulder surgery in 2018 and w- was back competing within about seven months and um, came back into really PB form um, and, and medaled at the Worlds. So um, the I suppose the, the, the postponement of the Olympics was probably bittersweet for him you know he's going into it in really really good shape yeah so that's the thing there's a real fine balance there now these all these athletes have to wait a year yeah so they're you know especially well you're probably looking at the athletes you're dealing with are younger but if they were on the old, older scale of things you know say if they were going for yeah there's the, 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 like so there, there's definitely the two sides to the coin there so for both Reese and Jack for example um, are very young athletes um, so Although they were both disappointed that the the games were postponed, and um, because they're so young, another year it's in their development, an advantage to them. it's a big Huge advantage. advantage it's them. a big advantage for them, and even when you look but at the competition. But then again, it's the same with all their competition, I suppose. Yeah, well, no. So, so um, uh, competition in some aspects will be, and um, for both of those athletes, they're probably in the younger side of it. You know, okay. so, the, so yeah, so it, it, it will work an advantage um, in in those two guys. Um, Athletics is a an interesting one, um, with some of the athletes that are sort of qualifying. The, the, for athletics, the qualification process is still ongoing, so um, there's still chances for people to, to qualify. So the really talented group of um, junior athletes that have been through Athletics Ireland system um, the past couple of years, that 
most of them hadn't actually qualified for the 2020 Olympics but the extra 12 months is a big opportunity for them yeah um, so they're allowed to sort of jump on board now they can still yeah, yeah they'll well because the process is still ongoing it's still ongoing so they'll still be pushing trying to get that qualification um, the flip side as we talked about is, is those athletes that were probably looking at 2020 maybe as their last games due mm. to sort of older more experienced athletes um, and all of a sudden what they expected to be doing now is sitting back in retirement and sort of feet up they're facing into you know another 12 months of hard training so that's difficult um for people at the you know at the other end of their career um and again with that knowing that they're going to have to train as hard as the war and maybe you know age and time is against them yeah um it probably generates quite a a lot of um i suppose mental challenges or psychological um challenges for those sort of groups of athletes yeah yeah it must have been very disappointing when you found out that the whole thing was being postponed but i suppose it was all up in the air then and i suppose when it got the go ahead next year that was probably a big relief yeah it, it was um i suppose that the initial response was yeah it certainly was one of disappointment and um, it probably looked at a, a lot of the work that had sort of went on in the 12 months previously and you're going that's sort of just up in smoke but it has probably standed to us um, in terms of that work that's been done and we can actually yeah. build on it um, even further. So um, the, some of the statements coming out from the IOC and, and the Tokyo Organization Committee in the past few weeks have been really encouraging. You know, they're really, um, yeah, they're really adamant that the, the games sure that are going to go ahead. Yeah. So when you're getting that from a reassurance... I mean, um, we're going to have hopefully a vaccine by then but yeah. the, the way things are going anyway. yeah yeah no so the, the news certainly over the past few weeks has been a lot more positive and um you know if you've been asking me maybe two or three months ago if the games were going to go ahead in 2021 i probably would have been giving you a 50 50 type yeah. answer but um yeah there's a lot more reassurance that um you know, this time next year we should have been through it and um hopefully yeah. we've had a successful games and what was your experience now you do in with the um, Paralympics? I've probably had two previous Olympic roles. Nice. So um, in Lon- London in, in 2012, I was over working as part of the LOC physio team. Um, so that was more of a, it was working for, um, yeah, for, for the London Organization Committee. So I was working with um, countries that didn't have their own physios with them. So that was a, a probably a, a different experience um, as a, in 2013 I, I started getting involved in uh, athletics um, and so went to to Rio as um, a physio for the athletics team um, was based mainly in Uberlandia where which was the holding camp so an athletes um, arrived over to Brazil the more or less came to Uberlandia acclimatized there got the training done and then as it got closer to the competition, they flew from Uberlandia into Rio with themselves. So I was responsible for sort of, um, I suppose, the, the, the physio uh, service in that Holton camp. And we, when we had the last um, last athlete transit, transitioned into the, the village, then we, we travelled up to Rio. So um, one of the last athletes that was in the village was, again, it was the Newry connection, and was Bridge Connolly. So she Bridge was working in Newry at the minute. She's from Leitrim. Um, originally but uh, yeah so there's another local connection that was yeah. in Uberlandia did you get to have any fun over there <laughs> it just sounds so exotic 
<laughs> I think there's a, probably a, a quite a big uh, misconception um, when I get just with families and friends in terms of you know, the, the places you go and the, the different trips um, you get to see very little um, you literally see the hotel the hotel um, the warm up area even so with athletics I've, like I say I've travelled all over the world with athletics and um, most of the competition I'm based in a like a warm up area which is almost like a second stadium so I don't get to see even much athletics um, much of the races you're sort of you're based you've got your own sort of station and you, and you tend to sort of base yourself there for most of the day the exception to that then is um as the the competitions go on and you become um you when you get eliminated yeah, <laughs> yeah less busy so you always get to watch um the four by one so um yeah we i suppose the irish team haven't had a, a four by one men's team um at a at a world championships in quite a while but um, that's always a nice event to, yeah. you know, you finished up and you get, get out to sea. Um, and that was one of the, probably one of the highlights of the different trips. So in the championships in London in 2017, um, it was Usain Bolt's last race. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, and I knew it would be that the last night of the championship. So, you know, with no other Irish um, athletes would be, be involved in that day. So my wife and the kids actually came over for that, and so they're all they're all in the stadium. Uh, for are you allowed to just do you have to get tickets? Now? How to get tickets? No, yeah. yeah so and got, is it difficult to get tickets? No, it wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't too difficult. Um, it was actually I'm not sure if you remember, but it was um there, there was the Noraverse outbreak. Um, oh. Which is uh, d- during that yeah. um during that championships it was um. So it was, it was quite an interesting couple of weeks. Um, th- there was big enough crowds, but they were certainly subdued b- because of that. Um, our own team hotel was actually locked down for that um, because there was an, an outbreak. There was an, an Irish athlete that um, had was affected as well. But um, yeah, you get sort of interesting sort of experiences like that. So that, that was one that I, I managed to share with the family. <laughs> so the, and, and when they actually came over though, um, Usain Bolt, he the four by one is normally on a the, the last evening, the Sunday, but he was racing in the final of the hundred meters on the Saturday and pulled his hamstring, so he didn't get the race in the four by one, but he did like a a, a, a like a, a victory lap as a farewell. So so that must be mad to see because you can see it on the television, but isn't it the same? What does it actually look like when you see Usain Bolt running around? Uh, Ach, yeah, it's fantastic, I mean, and and again, it must look so much faster than it does even on TV. It does, and probably we're, we're lucky in that regards as well. Um, with, with the I suppose the the medical accreditation you, you, you can get um sort of moving around the stadium quite yeah. well. So, um, actually we're in with a bunch of Jamaican athletes for that like oh, so you brilliant. had that so whole, you had the whole atmosphere the whole atmosphere the whole sort of um, I suppose festival experience for that which was, was yeah it was pretty special yeah yeah and you now yourself I know you um, your own sporting um, experiences um, you triathlete you've done Ironmans tell us a bit about that yeah um, I did I've done three Ironmen um, yeah. didn't do them particularly fast <laughs> it was doing just, them at all is a huge achievement it was yeah yeah. it was, it was 
back sort of in around that 2013, 14, 15, that sort of time frame. Um, well, it, how did you get into triathlon? And you, you used to play football, right? Used to play football for Newtown. Again, didn't do that particularly well either. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're being modest now. And the, I got into triathlon. Um, the the Newry Triathlon Club was it was through them. So there's a couple of families in Newry that um, I'd say if they counted the amount of people that they took into um, that sort of triathlon world, it would probably be in the hundreds. Um, yeah. so it was like Melly McCourt and Nathan McCourt and. And Aaron, and then the Malins, Mickey Malin. I just spoke to Porrig Malin the other and day. And Porrig, in terms of uh, promoting sport in the Newry area, you, you know, like fantastic um, family or families. I know that, that they're, I think they're related by marriage. Um, but yeah, it was them that sort of um, introduced me to triathlon. Um, I think one of them may have been in the clinic um, in Newry for treatment and more or less dragged me along to a, a, a swimming session with it with the triathlon club and just interest grew from there um so we started off um like, like most people with the crooked lake triathlon yeah. and uh did that and got bitten by the bug really right. went from there and it seems to be quite common that people that start off that they really do get bitten by the bug yeah well it's, it's, it's a i suppose if there's three disciplines you're always going to you know, you have a bit of variety there. You have the variety there, and again, probably when we're talking about injuries previously. You, you, it's it's a great sport that is it's almost natural cross training. You know, so if you're running once a week and you're cycling once a week and you're swimming once a week, you're not doing too much of anything. Yeah. Um. So that risk of you know picking up injuries and niggles is much much less. Even if you do happen to pick up a bit of a a, a problem with your running, you can then concentrate on your cycling and your swimming. So it's it's certainly a it's a great sport from that perspective um certainly when you start getting a little bit more into it and you, you go the iron man route um yeah, it, that's it, a different story it goes a wee bit yeah yeah but um yeah well explain the iron man now so uh, yeah it's that well it's that long since i've done one <laughs> i have to remember the swims approximately four kilometers i think 3.8 kilometers um and then the, the, the cycle is 112 mile and then a marathon to finish off yeah. with so it's it's a nice little marathon just to yeah but, but, but just as a cool down but, but that time you're that glad to get off the bike that it's yeah, <laughs> it's a pleasure to start running um as yeah as Melo McCourt would have said it's, it's just like a long day's work you know so <laughs> you you just have to set out and pace yourself and um if you same as we talked about earlier the preparation done um how long would the training take for something like that um, you, you need to be sort of working away um, and building up to it over a, a prolonged period. Um, you, you know, like certainly the, the approach I took was the, the first year I got into triathlon, it was the shorter distance to sprint. Um, the second year, it was up to an Olympic distance, which is double. The third year, then I went to half Ironman. And then the fourth year, I went to the, the Ironman distance. Yeah. So if you were to follow my route, you'd say it probably takes four years to build up to it. Um, I'm sure there'd be people maybe that would be fitter and better shape just starting off that could do that um, in a much shorter time frame but um, if you're starting from a you know, complete scratch um, yeah. yeah that's probably the, it's probably the, the way most people um, have went in that sort of in that near area yeah mm. and you've given them up now yeah, well um, yeah uh, it was probably more through necessity than anything. It was just getting the time. Um, as the work sort of 
became more and more based down in Dublin. Um, it left with me the less, athletics. With, yeah, yeah. It left me less time to train. When I was sort of com- doing those sort of three Ironmen, I was probably based more in the clinic in Newry. So again, I had, you know, it would have been a case that I was able to um, dictate my own hours. Uh, yeah, maybe you know, out for a run at lunchtime or finish up early and go out for a cycle. And um, yeah. whereas you add on more or less three hours in the car, it sort of it takes away that opportunity to to, yeah. to train a bit. And are you up and down to Dublin? You I suppose you're doing a lot now. Well, uh, well, pre lockdown, I would have been up and down four days a week. Yeah. Now I'm back to maybe two or three days, um, certainly two days a week, three days some weeks, um, and it'll probably stay at that now until the new year. So I probably don't have any excuses at the minute. I should be <laughs> doing a little bit more. Well, I'm sure you're busy enough in the clinic anyway. Yeah, you know. How did you actually get into physio in the first place? Um, it, it, it was, again, just through personal experience. Um, I had picked up an, an injury and um, Dennis Hollywood, um, who I mentioned earlier, um, sent me to a physio in Belfast that he knew. Um, and that was my first experience with physio. It was in around that time where you're, you know, in school and A-levels and you're doing UCAS forms and applying for different courses. Yeah. And so, yeah, from that, uh, um, it sort of sparked my interest and uh, applied for the course in Jordanstown. And um, yeah, I got a place and went from there really. And you obviously really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's. it's you get to meet a lot of people as well. You, you meet know. a lot of people. Um, it's 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 one of those things that you like the what you sort of consider work. Um, when you're doing it sort of you know on a regular basis, you sort of maybe take it for granted. Um, and it's only when you sort of look back at it a little bit and go. God, that's, that's a pretty pretty cool job to be involved in. Yeah, definitely. The, the travel and the, the different sporting experiences and yeah. Yeah, and meeting a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of different athletes and yeah. you know, a lot of stuff like that. So you're really looking forward now to heading off to Tokyo. Do you any, um, anything, I know you say you don't get to see much or when you're there, but is there anything you're going to go out of your way to see when you're going all that distance you, you, you can you get to stay on any longer or anything like that um generally not no so like it's a, a long way to go it's for a long way to go and to um, not see anything <laughs> the, 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 the games is maybe slightly different than your normal um your normal championships so if we if we go to say an athletics championship you're more or less you're away for a week two weeks at the most and it's fairly intense um the games um, like the total I could be gone for five or six weeks for that so we will have to factor in I suppose downtime um, when you're away that length of time so um, it's, it's, I haven't looked at it yet but it, uh, yeah it'll, be, it'll certainly be something I'll maybe try and factor in that maybe see the sites or something in yeah. one of those days off just to get out of the, the whole bubble of the athletes village and yeah the, and but the athletes village is meant to be great it's yeah it, listen it's it, it's it is a very um, it's a, a very surreal sort of experience. Um, it's almost like a sort of goldfish bowl. You know, it's very um, pressurized, and that bubble sort of scenario, the outside world nearly gets forgot about to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so it's 
Yeah, it's one of those things that. Yeah, and I suppose you think like the amount of people in the world that are actually watching everything, and you're yeah at the center of all that. And you've yeah, sort of ringside view, just so to speak. Yeah, yeah. no, that's. that's but like, you're in the center of the storm at the same time, so you yeah. don't get to yeah, yeah. You're in the eye of the storm kind of thing. But there are are there any any is there anybody particularly that or any sports that you want to see when you're over there that you you won't know what way your schedule is going to be. Um, we'll have to have that all sort of planned out um in advance so like that's you know one of the jobs we're sort of doing at the minute is looking at the the different competition schedules and also looking at the athletes that we work with um, and seeing where the clashes are you know so certainly those athletes that you work closely with um you'd like to be able to see them compete you don't always get that chance you would maybe that um you could There's, be working with somebody else at the yeah, same time. Yeah, so we, what we also have to do is um, like risk stratify each event. So, um, th- and you know, where the need for the, the physio cover is. Mm. So th- there'll be a, if you, if you take, say, for example, maybe gymnastics and badminton, um, there'll, there'll be a, a higher risk of a serious injury in, in gymnastics. Um, if, if gymnastics and, and badminton were on the same day and we had to sort of prioritise one event over the other, we'd... Gymnastics is something you're more likely to be needed. Yeah, so I'm probably in a lucky situation that the sports that I am involved with um, would be would carry a higher risk, so it would be probably deemed as a higher priority for physio cover. So the chances of me actually being there as the athletes I work with um, are competing will be higher. Um, So the the way we sort of split our day up is the you know, during the day it'll be it will be that it'll be competition cover um and then evenings we run sort of treatment clinics so um the, you know that and that's where we'll do probably most of our work in terms of um any of the athletes bit from again athletics or gymnastics or um taekwondo that need any treatment and yeah. um, we'll have sort of scheduled slots in around that and and that's what we spend most of our evenings at yeah okay well um, it was really nice talking to you, Paul. Thanks, Liam. It's nice and talking to you. I hope everything goes ahead uh, next year according to plan. And the Irish team all do really well. Fingers and crossed. And they, they don't need you too much. <laughs> okay, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Liam. And now let's hear from Armagh Camogues, Kira and Leanne Donnelly after their huge victory over Cavan in the Junior Championship final in Breffney Park on Saturday. The girls... Can I get a few words? Do you mind? What? Me too? Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Just, um, I suppose, you know, how how is it the difference? What is the difference between, uh, like, being sisters out there? Is it, are you, like, do you read each other's minds? Or um, (laughs) is there any of that going on? I don't know about that, but, um, you know, we have been sort of in each other's pockets now for the last, what, how long have you been playing? Five. Since 2016. Five, four or five years now. And, um... There is probably a little bit of that, but I think we can say things to each other that we might not be able to say, you know, to Who's girls. older? Me. You're older, okay. <laughs> Just by how many years? Yeah. Nearly Nine. 10. <laughs> so uh, she's the spring chicken between the two of us, but um, no, it's it's fab to have to have the sport and to have the, you know, we're to and from from training um, together and it's good to have that company. And I think we do nearly know what sort of moves we're going to make. Um, we need to nearly at this stage, but uh, yeah, it's great to have have the wee sis by by our side. Maybe that's a name only, not Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Like Kira, she was basically the one that 
brought me through my camogie career till now. Um, so it was just great so to you're play like out there today and just just we just playing off each other. I feel like because today we were alright. Like, but anyway, um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a great it's achievement. It's a full team effort. You know, it yeah. You know, obviously with the rest takes of the girls, 15. Takes it takes the, squad, 30, 34 the 34 of us. girls that were between on the pitch and on the bench today. Um, it's just been a massive effort by everybody. You know, everybody's made sacrifices, and we're just so glad that we've come out on the right side to bring a little bit of joy home to to all of our families and everything this year. So yeah. And did you know, um, you know, when you start when you start playing and it starts to go over, is there just a feeling that this is just going to be one of those days where everything's just going to go right because you miss very little and you were get you got a few yourself there. Well, I think at half time we were like. We were three points up and we thought we could keep going, but then Calvin just came out of nowhere in that third quarter, and then we just re reset. Come, yeah, I think you didn't panic with the goals, so you didn't. The goals did go in, and, and it it was we, but worrying. My heart was in my mouth, you know, standing at the other edge of the pitch. But you know, I trust in the girls and every belief that you know they'd be fit to battle down the hatches when it when it came to the bite. And you know, just in the last the two frees that they hit in there at the end, it was it was very very touch and go. But um, thank God. The girls held strong and, and we come out with the win in the end. Yeah. And this year, the year it's been for everybody, you know, it's just crazy. And then on top of the, that, uh, losing Marion McStay, our president, and uh, Kerry Devlin, that's our goalkeeper there. She's went through, you know, obviously a very tough time in the last little while. And, you know, hopefully Camogie has, has helped her through that. And I, like I was saying, we're in awe of her just being able to come out and um, wear that jersey and you know she stood strong there today she didn't drop the head when the goals did go in and only for her puck outs as well you know there could have been a serious serious difference today so um, we're just so happy that that we had something to celebrate at the end of 2020 it's yeah it's been a long time big celebrations tonight so. well so was, it, was it 93 the last 93 majority of that team wasn't probably born i think there's maybe about four or five of us that were actually born the last time they won yeah. it so it is it's a massive achievement and the youth that there is in that team and the youth that there is in the county and the talent that there is in the county we just hope this will be a driving force for next year and and build on on this momentum and get out and get stronger and get better because um, i definitely think there's there's more in this bunch of girls Another year in junior, I think this is our stepping stone to getting better and to be able to move, you know, make that step up. So hopefully this will inspire girls that might be watching at home today to to put on, want to put on the Armagh jersey because I have no doubt that that we can do a lot more damage in in the next few years. Hopefully. Well, well right. done. Thank, Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Eye on the Ball. If so, subscribe to our podcast and to Armagh Eye. If you've any suggestions about what you'd like to hear or any comments at all, feel free to send us a message or leave a comment. And I hope you'll join me next time for The Eye on the Ball. Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 223. Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan.